Welcome to the Her Sports Story podcast, where we share in the stories of former female athletes, connect on the transition out of sport, and create a space where the always an athlete tribe can come for connection and inspiration. I'm your host, Bethany Crouch, founder of the Her Sports Story blog and podcast, and former competitive gymnast of 15 years to an athlete advocate professional. It makes my heart so happy to connect in and share these former female athlete stories. And I am so grateful and excited that you are here to join us. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Her Sports Story podcast. Today on the podcast, we have former dancer Chrissy Papetti. Chrissy is now a coach for former athletes who were sidelined during their sports. She coaches them through redefining their identities, rediscovering their purpose, and ultimately redesigning their lifestyles. During this conversation, we talk all things being injured as an athlete, our journeys. We dive into some spiritual topics as well as some personal development topics. And Chrissy is just a one-of-a-kind person that has such a calming and knowing about her. So I am so glad that she got to stop by and hang out with us for a bit. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chrissy and I. Chrissy, we are so happy to have you here today on the Her Sports Story podcast. I cannot wait to talk all things sports journey with you, your career after, and then the incredible work that you're doing now and working with former athletes who are transitioning out of their sport. So welcome. Thank, thank you so much. I am so, so excited to be here. And, you know, we've already had some chats ourselves about all of this, and I just can't wait to dive deeper and sort of talk about our stories together. I know. We were just chatting how we connected a couple of months ago on a kind of a quick phone call and we're able to connect then but also before we hopped on the podcast we were chatting and like we could easily chat for four to five hours (laughs) easily no problem (laughs) but today we'll you know we'll hit on some of the main points here so as we roll right into it let's hear your sports story anything from you know when you started to possibly college and then right up until you know you had to transition out of sport sure so i grew up from the age of two being a dancer so Mm -hmm. it was my entire life i was in classes when i was super young And I grew up also doing sports at the same time. But then as you kind of enter the late elementary school, early middle school days, I just kind of dropped cheerleading, dropped soccer, dropped all the things and really focused in on dance. So Mm -hmm. I went through my middle school and high school years in a competitive dance space. So I started to take it more seriously. I trained with a really prestigious dance competitive studio in the New Jersey area. And, you know, just began to refine my skills um, across all styles of dance. So ballet, jazz, hip hop, tap, you name it. But tap actually was my favorite style. So I went on to specialize in that with some of the best in the country. 
And it was just such a cool experience growing up, really being that dedicated and that passionate to something at such a young age. So I was all things dance. So when it came time to decide what I wanted to do for college, I really, you know, it just seemed like the natural fit to continue dancing in some way. And I decided, you know, even if I don't end up dancing professionally, I still am not ready to leave dance yet. So Mm -hmm. I went to the University of Michigan and I majored, I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in dance. And I also um, was on the Michigan dance team. So not only was I training and getting, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. like up leveling my, you know, training in ballet and modern and all those styles, but I Mm -hmm. also was dancing on the dance team at football games and basketball games and volleyball games, all of it. So it was such a good combination of really fun, uh, performance-based, exciting stuff. And then also just refining, you know, my actual skills in the classroom. So yeah, I, I went to Michigan for that. And then as I was going through my collegiate career, halfway through, I ended up getting injured mm. and at the time, um, you know, it went misdiagnosed a million times. So it was like, oh, it's a groin pull. Oh, it's a hip flexor strain. Um, And I just sort of was going to physical therapy and working my way through it. But like any good dancer or sports, you know, athlete does, Mm -hmm. they just push through it. So (laughs) putting that that in quotes for everyone, don't push through it. (laughs) But I I pushed through it for two years. So my dance journey didn't really come to an end until the end of my college experience. So two years later Mm -hmm. when I graduated and that sort of led to the next chapter of my story. Wow. You know, as as I was listening to your story, what I found so interesting and something that I've never really thought about is that your academic career revolved around dance as well and the sport. And I was trying to think of another, you know, another sport or whatnot that does that or that has that kind of option. Mm. I don't think there's many. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, it was such a, it's such an interesting experience because when you say like, Oh, you know, you, you do your sport 24 seven. I mean, a lot of sports demand of you, like a crazy amount of time, right. For training and competing and whatever. But when I tell you, like, I literally was dancing 24 <laughs> seven, it was like yeah. my classes, you know, the practices, the rehearsals, the, even the sports games, like the mm-hmm. competitive football and basketball games, like we were dancing. So it was truly like my life in an inside and out throughout mm-hmm. college for sure. Yeah. And that was my other thought through that was like, wow, like this is, this is almost like next level ingrained. Mm-hmm. in your life right and yeah you know I think a lot of us athletes that especially I feel like college too and like gymnasts and dancers like we get to a point where our bodies are just you know they're not they're not where they used to be because they've been doing this for 15, so long. 15 plus years mm-hmm. um, but you know to be injured and then get the misdiagnosis, diagnoses, I don't know. <laughs> I don't <care>. You got <laughs> it. <laughs> but that in itself is such a journey. Like I had a very similar experience where I tore my labrum and rotator cuff in my shoulder. 
Mm-hmm. And for a while, they're like, oh, you just kind of strained your bicep tendon. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you later find out. But again, like you said, you just push through and you just yeah. keep going. And yep. then it gets to a point where you can't anymore. Right. Like you're like, unless my leg or my arm is going to fall off, like mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing this. And I don't know about you, but as I was kind of getting misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis, I would hang on to anything, like any sliver of evidence that would tell me I could keep going. So when the PT told me it was just a groin pull, they were like, you're not going to make it worse by continuing to dance, but you're just not going to let it get better. And I was like, okay, I can live with that. Right. Like (laughs) that's, that's fine with me. Um, so, you know, and then I was like, oh, I'll rest during the summer. Right. And it's like, I mean, as a college athlete, your mm-hmm. summer off is like not even, it's not like you get a three month thing off. So, right. um, so yeah, it was just kind of like, I was really in that phase of denial when I first mm-hmm. got my injury that it was going to last that long. Like I was like, mm-hmm. this is like a nothing people get injured all the time. I'm invincible, which is what every yeah. athlete who doesn't get injured thinks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm just gonna push through it and you know, it'll all work itself out. And my injury too, I tore my labrum in my hip Mm -hmm. and I, you know, it's a very commonly misdiagnosed injury because there are so many things in that area that could be like, you know, contributing to the pain. So it was just one of those things where it kept getting diagnosed as like lesser Mm -hmm. intense things that I could dance through. And again, to the naked eye, I looked fine, right? Like I didn't break my leg. I didn't like tear my ACL where I like could hardly walk on it. Mm -hmm. It was like, you have a torn labrum, but you look like a completely functional human. And that's what made it even harder because I would have to choose myself to sit out of things like Mm -hmm. maybe rehearsals or practices being like, my pain is really great. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to like buffer how much I'm doing it, but people are like, but you can, but you can dance. I don't understand. Like, how can you have this bad injury, but then you can come over here and do X, Y, Z. And so it was such like an emotional roller coaster, honestly, because I had it kept, I was in charge of choosing between taking care of my body or just pushing through it because yeah. nobody on the outside was like, Oh no, no, no. You have a torn labrum. Like do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And that in itself so is hard. hard. Yeah. It's a growing experience. And yeah, when we think about it, we're, we're young. We're still like, we may be right. 19, 20, 21, you know, we're, we're still fairly young and, and growing and maturing. So to be able to do that and really to put up your own like pain management plan. And right. it is hard because I would agree with you. Like my, my injuries were all very much like, well, you look like you can do everything. I mean, I had four or five stress fractures in my, in my shins and then, um, you know, my shoulder. So it, it definitely looked like, Oh, you're, you look fine. But, you know, I think it, it became a, it became really difficult. And I'm sure you felt that too, like to manage your pain or to choose when you're going to sit out. And that, that takes a lot of like ownership of yourself and stepping into, you know, what you know is good for your body, which I think is not only a lesson in college, but just for life after. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So much. Yeah. 
So true. You're, no, I like completely resonate with what you're saying and, and mm-hmm. your experience too with stress mm-hmm. fractures and tearing your labrum. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's hard. I mean, if any injured athletes or previously injured athletes are listening, I mean, you get it when you <clears throat> are injured and depending on the severity, like your path would be different, but you just sort of hold on to any hope that mm-hmm. you can either keep going or that there's some answer that's going to help you heal very quick and then keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard at that age to have the perspective yet of being like, how is this going to be for me long-term? Right. Because you are so engrossed in your athlete dance, whatever world that matters so much to you that you're like, I can't even fathom like um, choosing to step aside right now, you know? Right. It's tough. It's really tough. So I want to hear about, you know, did you, were you able to, I guess, dance all the way through like up until college graduation? Yeah. So I was dancing, but I did have to make Mm -hmm. some decisions. Um, So I like opted out of certain performances for my Mm -hmm. major that weren't required, but were just you know, things that you wanted to do. So I had to opt Mm -hmm. out of those and just do the bare minimum of my major. And then I had to opt out of dancing in nationals my senior year of Mm -hmm. the dance team, which was like, it sounds so trivial now to, you know, to me looking back, but at the time was like, such a big deal, honestly, a death sentence. I'm like, Oh, great. All my peers and my fellow seniors are going to go compete in Orlando and have this whole Mm -hmm. experience and and rehearse up until then. And I'm just not going to be involved. And, um, (laughs) yeah, you get it. It's just like, Oh my God. Um, (laughs) but you know, what made me think recently, and this is super interesting and I want to say this because I wish I had this perspective at the time. So if anyone's finding themselves in this right now or had a similar experience, um, Abby Wambach, I don't know if you've seen recently came out with a book called Wolfpack. Mm. And she, um, Abby Wambach, you know, two-time gold medalist, U.S. national soccer champion. Mm -hmm. She's like a huge all-star athlete. Um, She now helps with women in leadership. But she, in an interview recently, was talking about at like the second Olympics that she was in. Her coaches talked to her about the fact that the the best way she can serve the team at that time was to be benched for the first, however, you know, Mm -hmm. long of the game and then come in at the end to sort of like close it out. Mm -hmm. And to her at the time, she was like, are you kidding me? Like I've dedicated 14 years of my life to this team. And, you know, this is my last Olympics for sure. And you're telling me that I'm going to be benched, you know? Um, And so at the time she was like, I realized that I was given a unique opportunity where I could choose to sit on the sidelines and sulk, right? And then come on and, you know, try to do my best and get those goals and have the glory moment that I always felt like I wanted to end my career on, or I can lead from the bench. And basically one of her whole chapters in her book is, I think it's titled like lead, lead from leading from the bench. Um, because she was saying, if you can't lead from the bench, don't call yourself a leader at all. Mm. And that resonated with me so much because I have to be completely honest. Like I, did not have the resiliency or the wherewithal at the time Mm -hmm. to be that. I was so focused in my experience. I felt victimized. I was kind of in denial with my injury. Mm -hmm. I felt like nobody really like was understanding me at the time because again, my injury wasn't obvious. And so when I couldn't do those things, I just had to separate myself. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not 
going to nationals. So I'm just going to like be over here and just like, not, you know, get upset about it. And looking back, I really, you know, wish I took the opportunity to lead from the bench and just cheer my team on like a crazy person. And, you know, like she said, Abby was like, I was just like a nut job on the sidelines, just like (laughs) screaming for everyone. And like, going wild and when people would come off giving them like the pep talks that they needed and mm-hmm. it's like I I love that and I feel like that's such an important message and not everybody is ready to hear that necessarily at the time and everyone has to deal with their grief differently about what they're going through but I just thought that was a really cool message that I wish I had known at the time yeah I am right there with you like I was yeah. injured I was being pulled in and out of lineup and I was I was, uh, in all honesty, like too involved and wrapped up with myself, like that mm-hmm. I, me being able to perform was a tied to my worth and how I was as a human. <laughs> um, so yeah, totally get that. And it's so funny that you bring that up and I will have to read that book because I haven't yet. Um, yeah, I just ordered it. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably, I'm going to link that in the show notes too, because I feel For like sure. Good. It's a good book for life after. But anyway, I, it's funny that you bring that up because when I'm working with athletes or speaking to like one of our freshman classes, I talk about that and Mm -hmm. I don't know where it came up for me, but I just was like, I wish I would have shown up fully in any role that I was, you know, in that day, whether that was being on the sideline. And if it was and I wasn't competing, then I was going to be the best mat mover for my teammates and the best cheerleader. But I think at that time we are still so, again, I would say young-ish, where we are attempting to process what's happening and we are reacting it from a victim perspective. Totally. Uh, Like, so, so cool. I, I really hope that that message gets out and you know I think it's all part of our journey and even if it doesn't you know with athletes currently going through it in all honesty it's nice on the other side like me and you to oh, then yeah. reflect and be like that's what I should have done <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah it, it's so much easier now to be like that lesson is so important right really? and then you're like but yeah I mean even just building off of what you just said I think too, depending on what kind of sport you're in, it might change your experience as well, because Mm -hmm. in gymnastics and in dance were, I was part of a team, but dance is also very solo oriented. So I competed throughout my whole life as a soloist as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's very individualistic where you get into a pattern and just a process of being really focused on your, um, what you bring to the table and your um, progress and your sort of achievement in that sport. And I feel like, you know, most, a lot of other sports are very team, team, team oriented, Um, even though you can have like personal bests and, you know, whatever, but things like track, I feel like, you know, Mm -hmm. gymnastics, dance, where you can operate as a soloist as well. Mm -hmm. um, It's very easy to then be very self-focused when something goes wrong, because it is you on the line and you're, you're so used to your personal, advancement and achievement that it's hard to then be like, Oh, I'm going to still lead for my team on the sideline because you're still focused on like you, you know? So true. So good. One of the many lessons we (laughs) look back and we're like, yes, I've done that, but I think it's so good to talk about. All right. So 
you went through college, you majored in dance. Talk about did your dance career then technically end after college? Yeah, so I once I got injured at the beginning of my junior year, mm -hmm. I it was very apparent to me to have a plan B. And yeah. to be honest, I was always sort of planning for one anyway, because that's just the way I am. And <laughs> I never was like the person who was going to be like, oh, I'm going to be a diehard dancer the rest of my life. Like that wasn't yeah. my necessarily my goal. Mm -hmm. um, but so I planned um, to take credits and stuff to go to um, get my master's in occupational therapy. So mm -hmm. when I graduated, I was already heading to a master's program in the fall. So that piece of it felt okay because I was like, all right dance is clearly over for me right now, but I'm still heading towards something else. So in the midst of starting my master's program, I got my hip labral tear properly diagnosed. And then really the only option to treat it was arthroscopic surgery. Mm. So I got surgery in the middle of my first year of my master's program. <laughs> and, um, you, you know, so that was, <laughs> right, right. It's fine. It wasn't a big deal or anything. Um, so I just was the reason why I didn't even like wait was because I had been living with the pain for now two years. And I was just like, this is the answer, right? I was like, this is the answer to my pain. Everything's going to be fine after this. I'll be able to move how I want to exercise how I want to maybe even return to dance a little bit. And so I was like, let's do the surgery, like literally as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So I had my surgery um, the December after I graduated and then spent the whole next year rehabbing while I was in the midst of my master's program. And honestly, my pain changed, but it never fully went away. And I was like, okay, maybe the rehab process is just going to take longer. I tried out different approaches to PT and long story short, my rehab process process just kept growing and growing and my pain just never really started to go away mm -hmm. and it became this whole other I feel like chunk of my story um yeah. that we can go down if you want to um if yeah. you're curious about hearing about but it was just mm -hmm. this whole you know figuring out now how to live my life despite pain because it became very clear to me that my pain was just not going to go away with a quote-unquote answer or cure you know what I mean yeah. um so that was like a whole, whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. This is a, another thing, you know, carry with you through life, trying to accomplish all the things. Yeah. Go to grad school and <clears throat> start your career beyond dance. And I think that's so challenging when, or at mm -hmm. least I think it is. And granted, my injuries, I had them. I mean, they stayed with me. Mm -hmm. And I would get pain yeah, I still get pain when it rains I shouldn't tell when it's about to rain oh <laughs> um, yeah 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 <laughs> but I think when you when you take an injury with you after sport I think it gets 10 times harder and that's just a perspective granted mine weren't that bad but I just think about like okay so I'm not doing my sport anymore and I still have pain. Like what, what gives, right? <laughs> right. You're like, fine. I, I finally came to terms yeah. with having to move on from dance, but uh -huh. now, and that's what it was. It was like, now I can't even like go to the gym and do basic things if I wanted, because you know yeah. what I mean? You can't stay yeah. active at all. And being an athlete, you're like, okay, yeah, I want to do my sport or my dance or gymnastics, mm -hmm. but yeah, you're like, I'll put that aside. If it means I can at least like 
move my body and exercise and stay mm -hmm. in shape. Um, so yeah, that, that's like a whole separate, um, that was kind of like the next chapter was really just like, uh, you know, praying and bargaining and being like, please yeah. God, like I will do anything. If you just take this pain away, like I won't even push it. Like, just mm -hmm. let me get rid of this pain. And so that was like the whole next chapter. Like you asked, you know, when did my dance journey really end? I mean, I thought it was going to end with college and then I would be able to sort of re-enter it on my own terms. Yeah. But it became very clear that the next literally like four to five years of my life was going to be figuring out how to handle pain from like mm -hmm. a physical, emotional, you know, mental side of things because it became very clear that it's pain is such a holistic you have to take a very holistic approach to pain. And it took me a long time to realize that because after I was rehabbing, my pain wasn't really going away. I was still like convinced, okay, then we just didn't find the right option. Right. So I went through surgery and then I did PT and then I did acupuncture, acupressure, chiropractic, cortisone mm -hmm. injections, marquine injections, like every possible physical modality that I could have tried. I pretty much tried. And once it became very clear that there was no quote unquote answer to my pain, I was like, I can't keep living like this, right? Like I can't keep yeah. living like my life is on pause until my pain goes away because that's not realistic. That's not fair to me. That's, I'm, I'm you know, it's impacting my life and those around me, you know, it was just mm -hmm. this like radiating thing that just started to take over my life. And so finally, um, I, you know, this kind of coincided at the perfect time with multiple things in my life where I graduated my master's program and I entered the working world and three months into my first OT job, I was like, this is great. I feel good. You know, like some, I finally feel like I'm excelling in something new. Right. Mm -hmm. It felt like very good. And I got injured on the job mm. and I was working with on the brain trauma unit at a hospital for adults. So I was like lifting and transferring mm -hmm. yeah. dependent hundred, you know, multiple hundred pound patients mm -hmm. every day. And so I like ended up having this, um, tear in my cartilage in my rib cage. Yeah. And so I know one, one of the, like the worst <laughs> injuries because it doesn't heal. Fast. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I ended up being out of work unexpectedly for three months. Mm -hmm. And so it was the best thing that at the time felt like the worst, but actually was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was the first time since my original injury that I ever had a second to just stop. Yeah. Like I went from being injured to pushing through it, to starting my master's program, to getting my surgery, to trying every single thing to fix it, to, you know, still going through my master's program, to graduating, to achieving this, this and that. And then I was in my first, you know, job. And then finally, like life was just like, stop, Yeah, <laughs> stop right? doing everything. Just sit there and reflect on what the heck is going on because you are just surviving right now. Like you're not even like living your life fully. And, um, so it was those three months where I finally had a second to really like pivot my entire path. And that's mm -hmm. sort of when all the work I'm doing now started to bubble up, but basically like I did the work on myself. I saw a sports psychologist. I processed what I was going through. I discovered things that I was just genuinely interested in and naturally good at. And I started to follow it and it just sort of started to like snowball mm -hmm. into 
finding a path that I felt like I was finally supposed to be on mm-hmm. um, outside of the world of dance. And it was crazy. Once I started to go, go down that path, my hip pain dropped like 90%, honestly. Wow. Like it almost was non-existent. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's so much to be said in certain, I guess, beliefs, right? That you're and from a holistic approach to that your pain can be tied to old patterns sometimes and old thought processes and environments that you're in. And mm-hmm. I think it definitely takes doing the inner work. A hundred percent. And that, that's why I realized was um, all the stress and the, the thoughts and beliefs that I was reinforcing and the expectations that I had for myself Mm-hmm. were negatively reinforcing the pain cycle in my brain because your brain, once your pain becomes chronic, it reinforces this cycle, yeah. um, whether or not the pain is like still there. So I would go and get these MRIs that were like, your hip is fine. You don't see any damage. Like nothing's really wrong. And I was like, how can that be possible when my hip is killing me? Right? Like I would mm-hmm. walk a couple blocks in New York city and need to sit down. And I like, couldn't do things I wanted to do. And I was like, this pain is so bad. How can nothing be wrong? And it was really a mental game at that point, which nobody had ever talked to me about, like worked through with me, introduced me to. So it was once I started to, it's funny, actually, like as I was becoming an occupational therapist and learning about chronic pain management and all these lifestyle things that we help our patients with, Mm -hmm. I almost like occupational therapy to myself because I started to learn these concepts that were then helping me heal. And I was like, oh, there's a pain cycle and this is how it works. And even just the education of that alone and having an understanding of, oh, Chrissy, it's not your fault why this pain is still occurring. It's because of these factors. Um, it just totally changed my life. You know, it completely took the pressure and onus off of me and finding the right answer and was like, oh, I need to work on my mental you know, health mm-hmm. and my emotional well-being and all this stuff. So that was like such a pivotal turning point for me. And I just, I always bring that up because I feel like pain can seem so linear. Like you either have pain or you don't have pain yeah. and it just isn't that simple. And the way our society and our medical stru- um, system is structured is that mm-hmm. you have pain, you go to the specialist, they tell you what's wrong and then you cure it or, you know, you yeah. fix it with this very linear process. And it just doesn't work that way. And that's like exactly the work I'm trying to do now is like disrupt that because Mm -hmm. there's a piece missing for sure. Totally. Again, it's like, it's the holistic approach of, and I think about this even at a developmental stage for athletes, like Mm -hmm. we're training the physical really well, but are we training the mental side well and even more I think that there's this huge opportunity to train the emotional side oh yeah because I mean we're it's all connected right and I just love I love this piece of your journey because you needed that space you needed that time and that's where you know, athletes, I think we're so like, okay, check this box, this box, and we'll do this and this, and we'll get this result, you know, like, right, right. It's always been that way. So for yeah. athletes, you know, transitioning out and are just like, 
what feels like going through the motions, like that it's okay. And it is okay to stop and take a break because chances are you've been running since age three, you know, and Uh chasing what was put in front of you and meeting expectations Mm -hmm. and getting those accomplishments. So when it's time for transition, like we need that space. You need that time to process and digest and do the inner work so you can, one, I think just have the, what they call like downloads, right? Where you're like, this is what I love doing or mm-hmm. I can help people in this way, or this is, this is aligning with me and my, what I think my purpose is. So, so incredible. And I would love to hear about kind of the, when you were in that space or the three months where you set up the framework, I imagine, for what you're doing now working mm-hmm. with former athletes. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I, I just, I love what you just said, because I agree. I think that more often than not, we all need space to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, in all our best efforts to want to, you know, provide this, like, again, like linear sort of path to transitioning out of sports, everyone's is going to look a little bit different, but I think really capitalizing on the resources to guide mm-hmm. you just into like the unknown or with where you're at is so critical. Yeah. Um, but so the reason I say that is because during those three months I was off, I, that's when I decided to take it upon myself to see a sports psychologist. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to process through what I went through, but with somebody who understands what it means to be an intense athlete. Yes. Um, and so I found a really great sports psychologist in the area and it really was part of the pivotal process for me because there is something to be said for just reflecting on your past and why you've been operating the way you have been and what that means and what you're reinforcing and your thought patterns and how that's impacting your life. And so, and having all that self-reflective work, I then started to, I mean, I swear I am like the number one advocate for podcasts. I think they're like the greatest thing (laughs) in the world. Like, I love that you have this one because, um, podcasts, it literally was a podcast that like started everything because I was off and I had all this time. Mm-hmm. So I was going to the sports psychologist and then I started to listen to Jenna Kutcher's gold digger podcast. I don't yeah. know if you've ever heard of it, mm-hmm. but, um, she, you know, it was just talking about, you know, inspirational, like doing something different with your life. Right. Her whole story was that she was working in her corporate job after getting her MBA and it was sucking the soul out of her. And then she <laughs> realized that, you know, she wanted to do this other path. And so I just started to like, listen, plant those seeds. Um, and I started to just feel this overwhelming, like literally it felt like I could run a marathon, like overwhelming energy inside me that I was like, there's something else, right? Like I've been thinking, you know, the typical athlete way you go to college, you do your sport, you get this degree, then you follow that degree, or you maybe even go into professional sports. And it's this always like, you always know kind of where your next step is. But it wasn't until I like stepped into like real world after my master's that it became very clear, like, okay, yeah, occupational therapy in the traditional sense is really fulfilling and rewarding, but there was like more there that Mm -hmm. I just wasn't aware of and didn't realize until I finally was in it. And I was like, this isn't going to cut it. So I started to just set up the framework, like you said, not only self-reflectively and just getting myself in a good place, right? With like Mm -hmm. adjusting my lifestyle to serve me at that time, 
managing my pain and changing my thoughts around my pain, um, starting to get further trained in lifestyle redesign, um, which is in the sector of OT that now is informing what I'm doing now. I just started to put the pieces and, you know, just follow the breadcrumbs. I like to say, like follow the breadcrumbs from one thing to the next at the time that just felt right. And then I started to realize, oh shoot, like I, you know, after months then of going down that path, like I, I'm feeling great. This is like wild how much of a turn my life has just taken Mm -hmm. and it feels so awesome. And I have so much to still figure out, but I want to help other struggling athletes and dancers and performing artists with this piece, right? Like with this self-discovery piece of what is next, you know, like how do I manage what I'm going through right now? But then also how do I find a fulfilling way forward that feels, you know, as if, or, you know, near what it felt like to be in your sport. Right. So that was sort of the snowball effect from there that just kept leading from one to the thing to the next, but then ultimately led me to resign from my full-time occupational therapy, traditional job in the Mm -hmm. hospital and pursue my own life redesign coaching path where now I'm, I'm supporting sideline athletes, performers, and high achievers to get unstuck and figure out their version of a meaningful way forward so that they can show up the way they did on the field, like in the next chapter of their life, basically. It's so good. And I, for some reason, well, I, I understand why I really love it, but you're <laughs> like, when I go to your Instagram and it says you're helping sideline athletes, like I, I love that because at, at some point we are all sidelined, right? Which I assume yeah. that is what you're going for, whether that is from injury or just, you know, had an expiration date for sport. So I just, I'm so proud and I love what you're doing. And of course, we'll put all this information, like your website, which looks beautiful. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. And because it breaks, it breaks down like your programs so clearly. And thank you. Just, it's a, such a good place for athletes transitioning out to start, especially with your quiz that you generated about your readiness out of sport, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you for your kind words. That's so sweet. I, yeah, I, I, you know how like we talk about in the space, we're like, do we call ourselves retired athletes, like former athletes? (laughs) I know. It's been a question. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're all not really sure. (laughs) But, um, I just resonated so much with sideline athletes because not only can people who just, you know, like you said, had an expiration date, not only can they relate to like, yeah, the feeling of being sidelined, like you're done now. Um, But also that subset of the population who had to end their time with sports or dance or whatever, Mm -hmm. not on their terms. Yeah. So you truly were sidelined because you didn't get a choice. And when that part of your story got to end. Mm-hmm. And there's like a whole other weight and mental toll to that experience. Um, even though all of us go through that general universal feeling of transitioning, that is just so tough. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's wanting to help everybody and making sure that it's including those people who really felt like they didn't get to finish on their terms. Mm-hmm. 
but then, yeah, to take it back to just my program and, and the, the quiz. So the, I created this quiz because I realized like, what is like, if somebody comes to work with me or even talk to me, like, mm-hmm. what would be the first step that I would have them take? And it would be the first thing for anybody. I believe in this situation, no matter where you're at in the process is self-awareness, gaining Mm -hmm. self-awareness. Where are you right now? Like, where are you in the process? Like, are you in, you know, Chrissy stage one where I was like in denial and just like, you know, refusing to like take anything, you know, too seriously. Cause I was like, I'm going to get through it. It's fine. Everything's okay. You know, are you in the second phase where you're like, okay, I'm cool with stepping aside, but I'm still going to put all my energy into finding a solution. Like there's so many different phases of a transition, whether or not you're injured. Um, there's like literally research backed theories on, you know, where you are in a transition process and also like your readiness for change. Like if you, if someone came to me when I was in that first denial stage and said, Hey, Chrissy, you're injured. Listen, this is going to be the best thing for you. Let's make these changes. It would have been the completely wrong thing for me at that time. And like, it could have been the best information in the world from the best intentioned person in the world who may have had all the quote unquote right answers, but I was not ready to change at that point. I was not ready to sit with it. And like you said, have the space to really understand what I needed. Mm -hmm. So what my quiz does is basically through a series of just 10 questions, plants you in stages one through five of where you're at in your transition out of being an athlete or a dancer or a gymnast Mm -hmm. and sort of what that means. You know, you get a, you get a 12 page guidebook on what that means about your level. And then also what that means about what is best for you to focus on or work on now to level up, like to get to the next part of your journey where you feel like you're moving forward and you're not staying stuck. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of where the quiz came from. I want people to understand better where they're at because that's something I would have appreciated. Even if it was like, Hey, Chrissy, you're in level one and you're in the stage of denial. Even if I wasn't ready to take action yet, it would have been good to know like, Oh, I'm supposed to be feeling feelings of denial. Like I'm supposed to be feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is not just me being irresponsible and trying to deny reality. It's like, this is actually like a process that you're meant to be going through when you transition. And that was so looking back on it, it was such a, you know, relief. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I thought it was me just not wanting to come to terms, but it's, it was okay. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the intention behind the quiz. Uh, It's so good. And I think I won just like the having a quiz as almost like a a little bit of a gateway to you and your programs and what you do is so good because everyone loves taking quizzes and like, I agree. (laughs) This is, and it's that reassurance, right? And even Mm -hmm. if it, you know, gives them a little glimpse into something else or that, Oh, what I feel is normal. And coming from a very similar place of why her sports story exists, because I feel like we connect with each other through our stories and I can see a part of my journey in your journey. And I think it's just so incredible and so necessary that you're doing the work that you're doing um, because it will, it will serve so many. And, you know, and I think for a lot of us, we, we hear about those starting a business and 
you know, following their purpose, which in itself is a whole nother like next level journey. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I, super next level. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with leaving your full-time role and starting this next chapter, talk about any of, I guess, the feelings that you've had through this transition and how sometimes those feelings can tie back to when you were maybe leaving your sport or you know, transitioning yeah. from one level to another level. Mm. Such a good question. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I do compare even in my quiz with the results you get your transition level to a level of sport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, when you're in stage one, you're in that beginner stage all the way to stage five where you're in that like elite level of sport because I truly believe like transitioning to different chapters of your life is similar and kind of mirrors the process of up leveling your training and just level in sports. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I really felt like the second I started to do the inner work and reflect on where I was at and start to learn more about what was informing some of the actions and beliefs and thought patterns I was having. And then I started to take action on shifting them and, you know, doing work for myself, but then also like actually, you know, taking action on that, mm -hmm. it, that was when all these answers, right, started to appear. And it's kind of like that, um, that quote that, you know, you know, and this may sound woo woo to some people, but it's mm -hmm. like when you truly believe and commit yourself to taking action on, you know, self growth or something that you believe in, like the universe conspires to help you get it right. Like help you get there. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's from The Alchemist and I just totally butchered that. But basically like once you start to, you know, follow the breadcrumbs, basically things just start to pop up. And that was sort of when mm -hmm. the podcast found me and I started to do further education and training in areas mm -hmm. that were interesting to me. And essentially I just was following my intuition like I never had before. And to be honest, my intuition was almost like quieted throughout my whole dance experience in some ways in the sense that I was really following that st a structure. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going from this to that. And then my rehearsal director tells me to be here. And then I get put in this dance. So then I'm doing that. And like you, you kind of follow like the structure of whatever your sport looks like and sort of the path in front of you. But yeah. then this was like free territory, right? Like I could really figure out what the next path was for me. And so I just started to let it guide me and listen to my intuition. And that sort of led me to be like really, really aware of how unsettled and restless I was in my nine to five yeah. OT job. Mm -hmm. Like I was helping people. I was doing rewarding work, but I was like, so unsettled. And that was sort of when I just trusted myself. I mean, obviously I, I had a plan and I really thought it through, but I was mm -hmm. like, I need to resign and just see where this thing goes because through the self-discovery work that I had been doing it became very clear that my whole life I was in like a performance-based you know setting and it was creative and it was open and it was expressive yeah. and then when I came into this like world where it was like timelines and yep. restrictions and limitations and you know a cap on your creativity because you have to get out this xyz instead that just totally squashed my 
soul. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it just totally mm-hmm. like didn't fit me. That's why I felt so unsettled because I was like, this is great work, but like I wasn't able to step into the creative capacity that I wanted to. And so it's when you start to like really have that reflection and start to be mindful of what makes you tick and have the discovery of who you are that you can then make the decisions that are best for you in this life, right? Does that make make sense? Yes, totally makes sense. And that was that whole thing. Yeah, that in itself is such a journey as far as when you get to a point where you are following not necessarily like what your brain is telling you to do, not necessarily what society has told you to do, but if there's something else and you have like this feeling and this, just a a little bit of awareness, right? That you're like something, like something's there. And I think, you know, depending on where you are in your journey, that takes time where people like, well, I want to hear my intuition, right? Like how do we (laughs) (laughs) So I think it, it comes from a lot of just getting in tune with yourself and exploring some of these personal development or spiritual kind of topics and whichever way, you know, however you get there, it works. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no perfect path to starting to hear that intuition or getting to know your, your soul a little more. And yeah, we could go on a woo-woo path as well. Like I'm all (laughs) here for it. It's a whole nother podcast. I know, right? But I would love to maybe hear just like a tip or two that you have for someone who is in this kind of middle spot of like, okay, I I got the job, I did the adult thing, but there's still something more. And maybe anything you do from like a practice that you have or how you maybe create space for your intuition to come through any type of tip you have for them would be awesome. Sure. Absolutely. So yeah, like you started to allude to just the personal development world was like a whole like can of worms, right? When you, it was something I really was never exposed to or knew too much about. Mm -hmm. So again, when I was going through this whole transition to figure out what I wanted to do, that was opened up for me. And I recommend people just looking into the whole world of personal development. I mean, the staple books like Big Magic, um, you know, I'm trying to think of um, ones up the, off the top of my head, but um, Big Magic, uh, yes. The Big Leap, yep. you know, ah, oh, geez, I'm, of course, I can't think of them on the spot. Um, I'll give you some to put in the show notes, but mm-hmm. just look into this world where there's, there are tools like the Enneagram or even like Myers-Briggs, some people swear by, but like these tools that just sort of tell you a little bit more about yourself, right? Like it was really cool. I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram test, but it's a series of like, you take the test online and then there are eight or nine, I think eight different, um, you know, personalities. And Mm -hmm. it's so you know, it's not like it's a Bible, you know, it's not like it's like, this is like the complete, you know, right thing, but it gave me so much insight, even like with knowing I'm a type three, the achiever. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, but it shows you how you show up when you're at your healthiest, how you show up when you're at your least healthy, like what, you know, how you tick and just learning all these things about you instead of sort of just going through life with blinders on, 
I feel like could be the best tip I could possibly give and just pay attention to discovering more about yourself instead of trying to find answers outside of yourself, Mm, which was like the most transformational shift I could have made because even related to my pain, I was like, someone else helped me give me an answer. Where's the next answer to help me get to where I want to be. And all along it had nothing to do with my physical, you know, self and my, my pain, even though that's where I was putting all my energy into. It wasn't about my pain. It was about my deeper self and how I was so disconnected from what I, who I was and what I loved and who I was beyond the dancer. Cause I never explored it. So allow yourself, like you said, the time and the space to read, to learn, to be open to learning more about who you are and what makes you tick. And then starting to follow the breadcrumbs that start to appear. Does something really speak to you? Like learn more about it. Just, yes. you Follow know it. what I mean? It doesn't yeah. have to be this major life shift. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be this like, not signing it away. Job and, <laughs> yeah. You're not like, Oh God, I'm going to quit my job now. Like just, just follow it and see where it leads. Because I feel like that was the biggest thing for me. And it also made life so much more exciting because I was like, I'm not just waking up and literally living on autopilot. Like I mm-hmm. am intentional and I wake up and I meditate and I think, and I read and I start to, you know, I listen to podcasts that make my mind expand. You know what I mean? Just like figure out what it is for you. That's going to help you figure out more about yourself. Yes. Oh, such good advice. And I think this will tie in with like one of our final questions as well. But before we dive into that, I would love for you to share where people and former athletes can connect with you. Sure. So my website is just www.chrissypapetti.com and you can find me on Instagram also at at chrissypapetti. You can find other ways on my website to contact me via email um, as well. So just hop on there. You can learn more about what I do. I would love to hear from you in any capacity, whether it's just, hey, I have a question about something you said or I'm interested in what you're doing. I would love to connect with anybody who um, just resonated with anything we talked about today, but those are the best ways to find me. Oh, love it. Yeah. And I, of course, will put those in the the show notes as well. So they can link there. Awesome. But for our final question, I know that we've talked about this before. I've talked about it with kind of like the group that we have, which is our women working with athletes group. Um, Yes. But I, and a lot of us, I think have a very similar vision at some point to host some type of event where we have former athletes or athletes that had to leave their sport attend said event and get just kind of like a a little foundation for whatever's coming next. So Mm -hmm. people like you, people like me, just trying to impart some sense of reassurance and Mm -hmm. along with some tools, Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, if you were like up on stage and we had a room of 50 to 100 of these former athletes that are just are there to help them find or set up the most they can for what is next, what would you say to them? Oh, what a good question. <laughs> wow. So. It's going to be sort of two part because I don't want to just move 
off of Abby Wambach, but she's just on my mind these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so something she said recently that I would want to then build off of was when she was transitioning out of her sport, mm-hmm. she turned to her wife and she said, you know, I feel like soccer is what made me special. Like, I don't feel like special anymore, you know? And mm-hmm. I know me and you can relate to that, right? Like yeah. that's what made you, you know, unique and special and gave you your self-worth. And her wife, Glennon Doyle, turned to her and said, it's not your sport that made you special. It's what you brought to the game that made soccer special. And I was just like, wow, what an incredible way to phrase that. Mm -hmm. Um, And just make you think about the fact that we feel like our identity is wrapped up in what we did because we were good at it. And it gave us a sense of worth and accomplishment and all those great things that make us feel good in this life. But the parts of you that were shining in that platform are still a part of you. So that sport was a medium to showcase the best or parts of the best of you. Right. And so my thing would be is to really reflect on that channel that into the next chapter of your life. What do you notice that you brought to the game that maybe your, your teammate not like didn't, but just was different, right? Because what you brought was unique. And what was it that made you shine and how can you now channel that into the next aspect of your life? Um, I think that would be one of the biggest takeaways that I would want to impart because similar to some other people you've had on this podcast, I think identity is such a huge topic for transitioning athletes. And we didn't like touch on it specifically so much today, but I feel like when I'm talking about self-discovery, when I'm talking about learning more about yourself and reflecting, it's all to help you rediscover all the sides of you that you have that were always there that you thought were just channeled into being a dancer mm-hmm. or an athlete or a gymnast or whatever, but they're actually still a part of you now. So that would be my biggest That's so lesson good. that I would want to share. Oh, I love it. I'm sitting over here. I, I mean, I love connecting and talking with everyone because on a selfish note, like I'm over here just like learning and processing. Like I think a big part of why we do what we do is because our mess is our message, right? So, yeah. you know, you processed everything that you went through and now you have created this space where former athletes who maybe didn't get to decide when they were done can now have have a a guide or a coach or a mentor like yourself to help Mm -hmm. them you know to to serve as a bridge in that way between where they are now and a little bit of where they want to go and I think a lot of it like you said is that inner work and the identity piece of like you know you're just your characteristics of being a good athlete don't end when you don't play the sport anymore. Right. And that is with you for life. And that's where like, I love the always an athlete kind of mentality of more so like take those characteristics, take the ways that you showed up and take the way that you had that, had that confidence in you. Like, I mean, I'm sure we can relate when we stepped out on the floor 
right before a performance, like you just owned a persona that you were just going to nail the routine. Yeah. And I, I, I am constantly trying to remind even myself to show up in that way when I, when I even go to work or working with an athlete, because I'll be honest, it's like, there are times I definitely forget that like I was such a competitive and high level athlete because again, you're not doing the action, but there's so much goodness and richness in the experiences you had that help shape you and the characteristics you can bring with you into everyday life after. So yeah, that hundred percent agree. And that advice is just so good. And I want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story because I know it'll resonate with some of our Her Sports Story podcast listeners. And I'm so happy that we connected and that you are part of this Her Sports Story community. Oh my gosh. I think what you're building is incredible and so needed and such an, a, an amazing way to not only bring together female athletes, but showcase everyone's story. Because like you said, I find myself in your story, mm-hmm. you find yourself in mine, and everyone who I've met through your platform already. So it's an honor, honestly, to be on your podcast. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate you bringing me on and giving me this time. Oh, yes, of course. Well, until next time, thanks again. (laughs) Thank you. It's an awesome.